All right, East Gate, are we ready today to have some fun? Hey, if you're in love with Jesus, let me hear you go whoop, whoop. Hey, you guys watching online, thank you so much for tuning in and hanging out with us this morning. Again, everybody in-house and online, don't forget to like and share that live stream to help us spread that word out there. My goodness, have we had a busy week of ministry here at this church. My gracious. Um, Hey, let me echo what uh, Rachel was saying. Listen, we need a ton of candy to come in uh, so that we can give it away to all the children and all the family that are here for Fall Fest. We need a ton. Here's our goal. We want to triple the business of all the dentists in Douglas County after Fall Fest because we give these kids so much candy. We want parents to go home going, I love that church. That was awesome. But, oh, my gosh, I think I hate them a little bit because they give my kids too much candy. We want to load them up. want to load them up. Why? Because I believe you should do everything that you do with excellence. Amen? And I think it would be pathetic for us to ask God for opportunities to impact our community. And when we have a great opportunity to impact our community, we don't step up as a church. And I'm not saying that's not happening, but let me encourage you. Let's step up as a church. Amen? I want to see a mountain of candy for us to be able to give away to our community during the Fall Fest. Because we're doing this event for free to serve our community on Halloween. To give them a safe place to bring their family to have fun. And we're going to give them some Jesus too while they're here. It's going to be awesome. So listen, I hear people all the time talking about wanting opportunities for God to use them like with their skill set, where they are in life, to impact people for Jesus. This is one of the best opportunities you're going to have in a long time to reach people for Jesus with, I mean, really just a low investment of time and, and your talent to touch somebody's life. We need volunteers to help man these stations. Listen, for Fall Fest, we're going to have bounce houses, inflatable slides, and obstacle courses for the kids. We're going to have axe throwing going on during Fall Fest. It's going to be awesome. We're giving away cotton candy, popcorn, free food, and drinks. Listen, they're going to be small games for little kids to play. It's going to be awesome. We're going to be giving away prizes every 30 minutes on the dot throughout the night just to love on our community. It's going to be amazing. All the fun stuff, we're going to have s'mores are going to be available so we can roast marshmallows as families and have some s'more time and a hangout area for everybody just to gather around and sit down and eat the food and all that stuff. It's going to be amazing. Listen, it's going to be amazing. It's a lot of stuff we're doing for the community. We need our church to step up and serve our community, not just in word, but in deed too. Amen? And listen, men, I need you to lead the way. We've got a lot of ladies signed up on the sign-up sheet and a handful of men. I need to see some men stepping up and signing up to serve at this community event. One lady said, yeah. One lady, why, listen, my husband's talking at home. Listen, woman, when pastor says that about men stepping up, you be quiet in church. Don't you put me on the spot. I'm not, I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but this is what I'm saying. And listen, I know I'm preaching to the choir, but if there's just one person here who's on the ropes, listen, how, how shameful of us to pray for a platform to reach our community and not step up when we have the opportunity. You know what I mean? So let's step up, church. Let's step up, Eastgate. If you haven't signed up yet, let me encourage you. I know we've had several people that have done it. 
we've got place for more to jump in. So let's step up and sign up to serve. Pastor Rachel's going to have a team out there with sign-up sheets in the foyer after service. So listen, say hey to somebody and walk out there and sign up. So what are we going to do? We're going to say hey and then sign up. That's right. Why? Listen, because a little bit of our time can mean eternity for somebody else. Okay? Don't take for granted what a little bit of service can do to impact the life of people. We've got people in our church right now that are key to the leadership and core of this church that are here because they showed up to a fall festival and just got loved on. And then they came back to church the next Sunday and God rocked their world. And then the rest is history. Some of y'all are here right now because of their impact in your life because a church took time to reach out to them and somebody volunteered. Okay? Don't ever, ever underestimate what God can do through your act of service. Amen? All right. So I said what I need to say on that. We had fun on the radio Thursday. My goodness. Had fun. Listen, Eastgate, all the money that, that we have stepped up to give to make this radio opportunity happen. Let me tell you how this is snowballed. We got accepted as a scholar, on a scholarship to get a lot of free advertising on this radio station. And so we, we've been cranking out advertisements. It created a lot of extra work for, for me and a, a couple of other people in the church. We've been creating radio ads to put out on the radio. And listen, those ads are connected with people. And the people that run the station like what we put out from the church. And so they said, you've been putting out great content. We want to give you an opportunity because of what we've seen in the content that you've put out. We want to give you an opportunity to come on live on the air and just, we don't know what's going to happen. We're just going to flow with it. And Coco Brother was like, man, just come in, pray it up, and we're going to see what the Holy Ghost does. And I was like, bro, that is my language. Let's do it. And so I showed up. They gave us an opportunity to go live because of the establishment of a track record of excellence that we, that we put on for them. And... So we went live, and listen, guys, Eastgate Church had a voice to a potential listening audience of 350,000 people on Thursday night. Y'all ain't catching it yet. Y'all act like a bunch of tired, I'm here for church just to be here at church, people. Let me say that again. What we've been praying for is coming to pass right in front of us. We had the opportunity to impact 350,000 people in this area for Jesus Christ. Now that is, God bless it, awesome to me. I love it. I love it. And the feedback was so good from it. Um, it was just, just the opportunity is real humbling, you know. Uh, but the feedback from it was so positive. They're talking about it becoming an ongoing thing. So it may become a regular thing for us to get out there and reach the community on that level. That's awesome to me. That's awesome to me, man. So this is amazing. It's amazing uh, to see that happen. But that was then. This is now. So let's get into the message for today. You guys hungry for the word this morning? All right. I'm going to fill you up to the best of my ability and then watch what God does with it. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. We're in a series called Nine Flavors, One Fruit, looking at the Holy Spirit and His fruit in our lives. And how it can impact and change our lives from the inside out. Galatians 5.22 starts off by reading, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Who produces the fruit in our lives? The Holy Spirit. It's His work. He produces this fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness is where we're going to stop today. We're going to talk about 
kindness today. Everybody say kindness. Oh, kindness, kindness, kindness. Do you think we live in a very kind world today? No. No, we don't. Um, which is why I think kindness is one of the fruit that the Holy Spirit bears in our lives. Because kindness, I'm telling you, is attractive in this world. It draws people to individuals and it draws people to the gospel. Because people are not naturally kind. Now, people can be nice, but to have authentic, genuine kindness coming out of us for free to somebody else with no strings attached is a rare thing. Matthew 7, Jesus is talking, and he drops this line, which is just absolute truth. We could spend all day on this right here. He says, yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. Whoo! Man, oh man, oh man. Question for you. Would people identify you as a kind person? I mean, a genuinely authentic, kind person. Would they? Our world is full of selfishness. So what separates us and sets us apart is the fruit of the Holy Spirit being born out in our lives. That's it. Separates us. And he says, listen, you can identify people by their actions. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Kindness. 50 cent definition of kindness is genuine, compassionate love towards others displayed in words or deeds. If people were to think of you, would they think of a person that shows genuine, compassionate love towards others displayed by your words or your deeds? Would they be able to look at you and say, that person's actions tells me about the God that they serve? Would kindness be evident in our lives? You know, this list of the fruit of the Spirit that we go through in Galatians almost every week while we're going through this series, and eventually we're going to get to the end of this thing, but this, these are not end-of-life goals for us to shoot for. Okay? This should be happening on a daily basis in our lives. Every day, the fruit of the Spirit should be bearing itself through our actions, through our words, what we say, what we do, how we operate in conjunction with other people in our lives. You should see the fruit of the Spirit bearing out in our lives as a result of Jesus doing his work in our hearts. If we're in love with Jesus like we say we are, then people should be able to look at us and see that fruit. You look at an apple tree, and you know it's an apple tree because it produces what? apples right you look at an orange tree and you know you can get some orange juice off that joker because it's producing what oranges exactly people should be able to look at us and see even if it's in a developmental form they should be able to see the fruit that the holy spirit's producing in our lives because there should be something different about us we should not be the same anymore you know the bible says that those that are in christ are a new creation the old is gone the new has come. And one of the ways the new comes into our lives is through the work of the Holy Spirit from the inside out, changing who we are, producing His fruit in our lives. I laugh because there's, there's like a passage in the Bible, like later on in the New Testament, I think Paul's writing to the church, and he goes, hey guys, y'all should not be on spiritual milk anymore, like some newborn little baby. You should be eating like some thick, grown-up, 
I mean perfect spiritual meat. You should be having an adult diet instead of a baby diet. But I can't give you that because you're not ready for it because you're so underdeveloped in your walk with God. I think we have... People talk about the effects of COVID on our country and this world. I think a larger pandemic in the church spiritually is an underdevelopment of ourselves spiritually. We're not growing to the level that we could be growing to. We've settled at the level of our comfort zone. We settle at the level of normality. We settle at the, settle at the level of just like a step up from status quo. Well, here's the world, and I'm not quite in the world, and I want to go to church and say some, a few Christian things, but if you look at my life in its essence, nothing has really changed because I used God for fire insurance, and I didn't allow him access to my heart to continue that transformation that he wanted to see inside of me. So this is... This is pivotal in our walk with God. You've got to get to the place where you're drawing close to him and that relationship is real. It's real. And you're growing and maturing spiritually one step at a time. Okay? Everybody say one step, one step. At, a at a time. you got to be growing. you got to grow. you got to grow. Pastor, I like the way that I am right now. Okay, that's cool. You want to roll the dice on eternity? on a one-time prayer when you were 16 and then a half effort at your walk with God when you stand in front of him? You roll the dice on that if you want to. I'm not. I want everything that God said I could have. And I want to be everything that he said I could be. And I don't want to settle for halfway when I could have it all. I want it all. I want everything that Jesus died to give me on that cross. I want everything that the Holy Spirit says that I can have. I don't want to just struggle to get to church when the Bible says that I have the Holy Spirit in me and the potential to see the, hick, the, 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 the sick healed and to see blind eyes open and to see the dead raised up from the grave. All of that resides in us through the Holy Spirit. Why would I want to struggle with something normal when I could be everything that the Bible says that I could be? My gosh, let's rise up and be the people that God says that we can be in this church. So genuine, compassionate love, after I yell at everybody, genuine, compassionate love towards others displayed in words or deeds. That's what kindness is. And most people end up being either an egg, a carrot, or a cup of coffee in life. Y'all woke up when I said coffee, didn't you? An egg or a carrot or a cup of coffee, and I'll show you what I mean. I've got some carrots and some eggs in here. And if you expose an egg and a carrot and coffee grinds to the same boiling water, they respond in different ways. This carrot, it looks good from the outside, and it looks stable and it looks solid, but because it was exposed to that boiling water, what's happened is it's weak on the inside and it has no strength at all. It's all soft. There's no strength on the inside of it. This egg looks great on the outside. Right now I'm hoping that I boiled this thing long enough. Yep, I did. But if you peel this thing back, it's been in the water and because it's been in the boiling water, it's all hard and solid on the inside. Coffee, when you expose it to boiling water, 
becomes a magically delicious beverage that's sent by God. Uh, coffee drinkers in the house, can I get an amen this morning? You know what I'm talking about. Hey, not coffee drinkers, but coffee connoisseurs. Can I get an amen this morning? You know, yes, yes, be a connoisseur. Something happens. Something happens. One loses its strength, one becomes hard, and one releases what it has to transform into something different. Man, I think God loves coffee. Yeah. If he wouldn't have created it, can you imagine where we would be? I think he created it because he loves coffee. People say God created the world in six days and on the seventh day he rested. And I guarantee you on that seventh day he kicked back, looked bad and said, it is good. And drank a cup of coffee. I think so anyway. I don't think, well my Jesus drinks coffee. Your Jesus doesn't have to drink coffee. I'm, I'm playing with you this morning. But I, I love coffee. Listen, so many times in life we let what happens to us. You hear me? We let what happens to us form and shape us. Now, I'm not saying that what happens in life doesn't impact people. It impacts. I'm impacted by the things that happen in my life. You, boom, life is going to hit you. Okay. But I do know this. With every event that life brings about, there is an opportunity for us to choose how we're going to respond to it. Now, that doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt. It hurts sometimes. Doesn't mean that doesn't get you excited because sometimes life throws stuff at you that gets you excited. Doesn't mean that you don't feel lonely sometimes. It doesn't mean that, that what happens from life is less impactful. It just means that somewhere along the way after that initial boom from what's happening happens, you have a choice. And you can let life rob you of all your strength and your will. And you can look great on the inside and just be fragile and falling apart on the inside like a carrot. Or you can let life hit you and you can just become good looking on the outside but hard as can be on the inside because you've been hurt once and you're not ever going to be hurt again. Nobody else is ever going to get to that place. Nobody else is ever going to get that kind of trust. You're always going to keep one eye on everybody because of a bad experience in life. Or you can be like coffee. Oh, you can be like coffee and become something beautiful. And when life happens, you absorb it and then you release what God's put inside of you. Okay? Now, I'm preaching off coffee. I could do this all day today. We just have, today's going to be coffee day in church, but here's the deal. This is what I want to encourage you. Listen, regardless of what your response has been up until now, choose, choose to let what happens in life, listen now, release the fruit of the Spirit that's been developed inside of you. Instead of letting stuff get soft or stuff be hard on the inside of you, let it be just right because you have prepared yourself through your relationship with God. And when life hits, instead of releasing anger or frustration or distrust or falling apart and being eaten alive by your anxiety, you're releasing love in a situation you're releasing peace in a situation. You're letting the joy of God come into a situation that might not be joyful, but it's from the inside coming out. That's the earmark between a person who's growing in God and somebody that's going through the motions of looking like they're growing in God. Don't go through the motions. Let it be real. 
Let it be real. Um, Ephesians 4, verse 31. This is a great one. It kind of falls along this line of thought we've got going right now. It says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Question. Um, why do you need to get rid of something? Because it's there, right? It's there. You take out the trash because you got trash to take out, right? Okay, so what the writer here is saying, this stuff is naturally going to be in you. You got to get this stuff out. So take out the trash. Get rid of the bitterness, the rage, and the anger, and the harsh words. Get all that. Get, get the egg and the carrot all out of you, as well as all types of evil behavior. Get that stuff out. Instead, be kind to each other. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. He says, get rid of the old and start adopting a new way to interact with people. It's funny to me that he started with kindness. There's just some people in life that you don't want to be kind to. All right, truth moment. All right, right now. Anybody in your life right now, you would say, you know what, Pastor Josh? I get what you're saying, but it's going to take a little bit of extra effort for me to be kind to a certain person. Anybody got somebody like that in your life right now? Yeah. I see husbands and wives elbowing each other. Um, I get that from time to time. Listen, kindness kindness. There are some people that just require that extra effort. When I say kindness, I think this is the confusion that we have sometimes. We think, like, be nice to somebody so that they're nice to us. And that's not how it operates. You're kind to someone out of a selfless, agape love of God that is inside of you. And with the motivation of that love, you show selfless kindness to someone. It doesn't cost anything to be kind at all. It's free. Whew, but boy, we're stingy with it sometimes, huh? Especially with some people. Some people don't really deserve it, but it doesn't matter whether they deserve it or not. The fruit of kindness motivated by love is something freely given, not so that we give it to them expecting them to be nice to us. Isn't that frustrating though? You go help somebody do something at their place, and then you got something to do at your place, and then they don't show up. You know, or I, I'll give you somebody, you know, 20 bucks or 30 bucks for a happy birthday, and then two birthdays of mine go by, and I don't get nothing from them. Y'all you had that happen with you? Just cra I gave you a happy birthday card. I called you on your birthday. What is the problem? Well, you just said your motivation was selfish in its nature. I'm nice, and I'm giving stuff, but I'm giving stuff hoping to get stuff back. Kindness doesn't work like that. You're kind just to be kind. I remember <laughs> when I was an intern um, in, at this church in ministry, man, uh, they had this new guy come into the church to run the maintenance department in the church, a real large church. So there was always something that needed to be painted or drywall that needed to be repaired, bathrooms cleaned. There was a school inside the church. So there was always something to fix. You know, kids just tear stuff apart naturally. And uh, so they were always busy doing stuff. So they hired this guy to oversee the maintenance team of about five or six people that were there just doing stuff in the church daily. And so they had the welcome party for this guy, and his name was Bobby, and Bobby came in and the lead pastor said, hey everybody, this is Bobby. Bobby's going to be fixing stuff here at the church. Let's welcome Bobby and be nice to Bobby. And everybody said, hi Bobby, and clapped and we welcomed him in and it was great. Bobby got to work and the pastor 
that past Sunday had talked about being kind to people like I'm talking today. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to be that guy that actually puts this stuff into action. So Bobby's new. I'm going to do something nice for Bobby. So I wrote up this little letter for him just saying, welcome to the church. So glad that you're here. Um, can't wait to get to know you better. Just nice stuff. Appreciate your heart and what I've seen you do and all that. Just nice stuff about him. Put it in his little uh, mailbox and went about the day. Later that day, Bobby comes in with the note that I wrote him. And he goes, what the heck is this? Just a letter to just say, well, look, ripped it in two. Don't ever do stuff like this again. I don't need it. I don't want it. I really don't want to know you. I'm just here to do a job. <laughs> Threw it away. Turned around and walked out. Okay. Me and Bobby got some problems, I guess. <laughs> so I kind of got red-faced and mad. Are you joking me? It, he was in service. I know he heard pastor talk about kindness. I'm going to rat this joker out. And so I thought about turning him in. That's, that's just, he's being hateful in a church office environment. That's just double wrong, right? That's like double sinning, I think. And uh, Holy Spirit kind of convicted me and said, well, did you be kind to be kind or did you be kind to get a good response from him? Oh, come on now. Come oh, snap. Okay. So I said, okay, so here's what we're going to do. I'm just going to be nice to Bobby till Bobby can't stand it anymore. That's what I'm going to do. And the Holy Spirit hit me and said, look, are you being nice to Bobby to show my love or are you being nice to Bobby to heat coals on his head? I, okay, fine. So, <laughs> fine. So I had to check myself and my motive. And so I just found ways from that point on, to be nice to Bobby. Smiled at him, told him thank you. I didn't put any more letters in his box. Uh, but uh, I found ways to serve him. Maintenance crew would get together every day about nine to go over the list of stuff they had to do. And we would be in the church early for prayer, about 7.45 to have prayer at 8 o'clock, and we'd be out, and then we would do our, like our grow group time. So I'd would get out of prayer, run over to the maintenance area, and I would make coffee for these guys. And I'd wait for them to show up. And a lot of times, I, if I missed them getting there and they already had coffee made, well, I'd grab the coffee pot and I'd give them warm-ups and just hang out and talk and just find ways to serve them. And sometimes when I got off of my duties for the day in the afternoon, they'd still be working, so I'd go see what I could do to help them out and serve, not getting paid just to be nice. And after a while... It wore him down, and he eventually hired me part-time uh, to come in afterwards, you know, to, to earn some extra money, because I don't know if you guys have ever been in college, but you ain't exactly rolling in the Benjamins. Uh, over time, me and Bobby became buddies. We went from buddies to pretty good buddies to friends in about a year because I was nice to him. Now fast forward 20 years, I go to Texas for a funeral. And I'm there to honor a guy named Tom Wilson, who was a great mentor in my life. I went there to honor him and 
just to celebrate his life there for Tom. Service was amazing. 1,500 pastors and family members and people in this auditorium is packed out just for Tom to celebrate him. Service is over, and I'm talking to a couple of friends who are sitting right over here, and I hear a voice, Josh Pete! I turn around and look, and there's doggone Bobby Stovall walking up to me, smiling, arms out, and he just walks right up and gives me the biggest hug ever. He said, I saw you over here, and I had to come and say hi to you before I left. Now, what takes a guy that walks into an office, red-faced, tears up a letter and says, don't ever do anything like that again? From that point to seeing someone from the other side of an auditorium and walking over ready to give them a hug, kindness, kindness can do that. It can transform a relationship over time if the motivation is right. Showing kindness doesn't cost a thing, but it makes a huge impact in other people's life. And I'm telling you, kindness will inspire others to be kind. Kindness will inspire others to be kind. If I were to ask you, how many of you have heard of a woman named Ray Wilson who lived in a town called Pratt, Nebraska? How many of you have heard of Ray Wilson from Pratt, Nebraska? Nobody. I had never heard of Ray Wilson from Pratt, Nebraska until a couple of weeks ago and prayer and preparation for this message. This is what's crazy. Pratt, Nebraska is a nowhere town. Nowhere, no claim to fame. I mean, the dust is just as popular as anything that had come out of Pratt, Nebraska, just about. You know, The only lifeline they had to the rest of the world was that they had a train station, and every once in a while trains would come through and make a 10 or 15 minute stop, and then go on to where they were going. Well, at the beginning of World War II, word got out that on the train that was coming through, there were a bunch of men ready to go to war from Nebraska. So they were going to come through that train station, and the community got word of it, and they said, let's do something to celebrate these soldiers when they come through. We're only going to have them for 10 minutes, so let's play some music, let's give them some food, and let's try to all pitch in and give them some kind of gift as they go on their way to fight the war. And they said, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. So the town got together, the train comes in, the soldiers are there, but they're not soldiers from Nebraska. They're soldiers from all over the U.S. on their way to being shipped out. And so the town did what they planned on doing. They loved on them, they played the music, they gave them the food, they gave them the gifts, and on they went to war. Well, as the war kept going, the trains would still come through every once in a while, and they would get winded. More trains were coming in with soldiers. A woman named Ray Wilson had the idea of, hey, why don't we just continue doing what we did for this first train? These guys are going to war. Why don't we celebrate them? Why don't we do something? Why don't we just continue to give them food and give them a gift and celebrate them. And this is a photo of Ray right here. Um, and one of the first events that they did, she's there with a friend, Ray's got the dark hair. They just gave food to these soldiers. Got another one I wanna show you. Some ladies would come in there with them when the trains would come through with the troops, they would just love on them and 
play some music, give them some gifts, give them some food, and celebrate them for 10 minutes. Well, as the war continued, more and more trains started coming in. And it wasn't long before word caught on what Ray and her group of people from the town were doing. 125 communities started jumping in to help with this effort, to keep up with the soldiers that were coming in. Look at this next photo. So people would come in, get off the train for 10 minutes. They would get loved on. Show them the next photo. It wasn't long before six trains a day were going through the station. About 3,000 troops a day. And through the length of the war, it's estimated that about 55,000 people from communities around Nowhereville, Pratt, Nebraska, were showing up to give food, to give gifts, and to love on these people and give them a hug before they went out to battle. Crazy. Before the war was over, it's estimated that over 6 million troops went through the train station at Pratt, Nebraska. And they were given food and gifts and hugs and shown kindness by a group of people. What's the next photo that we have? Yeah. Now here's a book that documents it. Once Upon a Town. It's written by Bob Green. He talks about what happened at Pratt and the impact that it had on these men's life and the impact that it actually could have had on the rest of the world. He interviewed these guys and he was talking to them about the war and he said, listen, I want you to tell me what you remember about this war. Good, bad, and ugly, World War II. And without fail, the majority of the people would talk about what happened in Pratt, Nebraska. See, 18 million U.S. troops approximately ser served, or 16 million, sorry, served in World War II. Six million of them went through Pratt, Nebraska. Almost half. So one out of every, they say, 2.5 soldiers, roughly, that fought in World War II went through Pratt, Nebraska. And they got food, they got a gift, and they got a hug for 10 minutes before they went on to war. And it made an impact on these soldiers, so they're bringing it up to this guy. He goes, I kept hearing about Pratt, Nebraska, Pratt, Nebraska. So I began asking these soldiers after a while, what was so important about Pratt, Nebraska? How did it impact you personally? And this is what they almost all said, something along these lines. They said, I was going to war, and I was on a train, and I really didn't know where I would end up. And I was with people that I didn't know. And I didn't know if I was coming back or not. But for 10 minutes, in a small town in Nebraska, I was shown kindness. And for 10 minutes, I forgot about the heaviness of what was happening. And the people reminded me of what I was fighting for. And it didn't matter what color you were. It didn't matter where you were from. And it didn't matter what your rank was. They said you were always going to get food. You are going to get a gift. You are going to get a hug. And you are going to hear some good music. For 10 minutes. For 10 minutes. 
you are going to experience genuine love and kindness from people. Now, this guy notes in this book, in historical fact, one of the reasons why the U.S. helped turn the tide in World War II was, was the industrial strength of our country. We were able to step up and produce planes and tanks and boats and ammunition at an unprecedented rate because we all just bonded together and made it happen. But the X factor in the victory was the fighting spirit of the American troops that went into war grossly outnumbered in many of the, um, the engagements that they were in. They were able to push through impossible odds, especially on the beaches of Normandy, push through, take the ground, and win the victory. The fighting spirit of our troops was almost, it, it was undefeatable. Um, this guy makes the suggestion that if one out of every 2.5 troops went through Pratt, Nebraska, received love and was reminded of what they were fighting for, it could be argued, I don't know if this will stand up in court, but it could be argued that one of the major reasons that America turned the tide in World War II and saw the victory that they did wasn't just the industrial. It had to do with a small town and a small group of people that became a larger group of people to show love and kindness to our troops, reminded them of what they were fighting for before they went to fight for it. Kindness can make a huge impact in people's lives. Your kindness, your kindness will inspire others to be kind. This is what I know about kindness too. Your kindness, it... Um, your kindness to others brings kindness back to you. There's a principle in the Bible, it's called sowing and reaping. And I was always told this like in a bad, uh, in a bad, in a bad uh, setting. They were like, boy, you better be careful. You're going to reap what you sow. Well, you can reap bad stuff if you sow bad stuff, but the opposite is true too. I tend to focus on this more. If you sow good stuff, you will reap a harvest of good stuff. You know, if you, show, if you sow love, you'll receive love back. If you sow generosity, you will receive generosity back. If you sow kindness, you will receive kindness back in your life. And you see this in um, the story of Jonathan and David. Jonathan and David were really close friends. Jonathan was the son of King Saul in the Old Testament. And Saul messed up, lost the right to be king. David was coming in to be the new king. And Saul was getting real violent towards David. It's crazy how sometimes people will project their frustration and failure onto you and make things your fault even though it's their responsibility. It's crazy. So, so Saul's doing that with David and he threatens David's life. And Jonathan says, my dad is going to kill you. I got to get you out of here. So Jonathan puts himself at risk making sure that David's okay and that David can escape. And Jonathan just says this, hey, when you're king... Remember me, be kind to me and my family. David's gone. Saul and Jonathan die in battle. David is now king over Israel. And in 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1, David remembers the promise that he made to Jonathan. And he asks, is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Jonathan's kindness is now reaping a harvest of kindness back 
even after his death. Second Samuel 9, skipping down to verse 7, his conversation continues. He sends uh, people out to get a son of Jonathan uh, called Mephibosheth. Some of y'all may know that name if I say it. Um, he brings Mephibosheth, who's crippled, who's pretty much a beggar at the time, can't really provide for himself. He brings him in, and David has this conversation with him. He says, don't be afraid. I intend to show kindness to you, look at this, because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul. Oh my gosh. And you will eat here with me at the king's table. Mephibosheth was brought from poverty to receiving. Listen now, everything that the previous king had had, kings don't live on one acre plots of land. All right? He's now a multi-bazillionaire who gets to eat at the king's table. It's a place of honor. Why? Because he was reaping the harvest of kindness that was sowed by his father, Jonathan. How about that? This is crazy. If you sow it, it will come back to you. Look at uh, Ruth. Go to Ruth chapter 2. We'll start at verse 10 and go through 11. Uh, Some of you don't know about Ruth. Ruth was a lady in the Old Testament. Married to a guy, he died. Her mother-in-law, her husband died. So there are a bunch of widows living together. They hear that there is food going on in, back in the land of Israel. So they move from where they are to go back to Israel so they don't starve to death. And Ruth's devotion to Naomi becomes a thing. She says, listen, I'm not leaving your side. Even if it means I don't ever marry again, I'm going to be faithful to you. I'm going to be kind to you. Where you go, I go. And far be it that we be separated unless we're separated by death. It's just not going to happen. She was committed to that kind of level. So they went to, over to Israel. Um, and the custom there is this, that if you're a landowner, you pick the fruit or the crops from the land and whatever would fall on the ground while you were picking is set aside for people that don't have food for themselves, for the beggars, for the homeless. They were able to go and take food from what was on the ground. It's just a custom, and that's how they took care of those that didn't have things for themselves. And so um, what uh, Roots would do is she would go out after they were harvesting the crops with everybody else, and she would pick up the stuff that was left on the ground and bring it back. Well, this guy named Boaz took note of Ruth. Saw her out in the field. So he talks to his workers and says, Hey, when she's around, just throw a little extra on the ground for her. When she's around, make sure she's well provided for her. So that went on for a little bit. And eventually Ruth has this conversation with Boaz. And in verse 10 it, it picks up because she notices what's happening. So she asks him what's going on. At this she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him, why have I found such favor, favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I've been told about all, or I've been told all about what you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. How you left your father and mother in your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. This woman stepped into his favor because of how she treated, are you ready for this? Her mother-in-law. Whew. 
Wow! Amazing. This woman had phenomenal character. And isn't it interesting that what attracted Boaz to Ruth wasn't how she was dressing and how she was shaking her thing? It was her character and what he had heard about her. But her kindness brought his kindness to her. This is what I know. When you're kind to others, it brings kindness back to you every time. And here's the last thing about kindness we're going to talk about today, and it's this, is that kindness makes the gospel relevant and attractive. It makes it relevant and attractive. Why? Because people just don't operate with kindness naturally. We're nice to people, expecting people to be nice in return, but kindness that's given just for the sake of being kind sets you apart. And people notice, like Boaz noticed Ruth because of what she was doing, people will notice you. You just can't take for granted who's going to be watching when you show kindness to someone else. Because more eyes are on what's happening than just you and the individual. And it makes the gospel attractive. It makes the gospel attractive. This guy who uh, ran an office treated his employees like dirt slaves. He was known for firing you if you didn't get stuff done and fussing at you if you did get stuff done because it wasn't done the way that he wanted it done. It wasn't nice. What was sad is this guy was a Christian or at least claimed to be. He goes to church one Sunday pastor's preaching on kindness and he just, just gets convicted. He says, you know what, I've been treating people like dirt. I'm going to change. So he goes into work the next day and he goes from one cubicle to the next and he has a conversation with every employee in the office. And he thanks them for what they're doing. He points out something good that they've done on the job and he lets them know that he appreciates all that they do for the benefit of the company. And that he's gonna do a better job of recognizing it going forward. Everybody was stunned. Like, who, who is this guy? He goes from Godzilla to uh, just Mr. Nice Guy overnight. Well, he's responding to the conviction of the Word of God and trying to walk it out. He goes to work the next day, and there's a present on his desk. What is this? I've never had a present on my desk before. And he looks at the card, sees who it's from, opens up the package and he sees an Xbox sitting on his desk. An Xbox? What a random gift. So he goes to the guy and says, hey, to my office, you right now, come on. The guy goes walking in and goes, what's going on with this? What's the deal with the card and with the Xbox? And the guy said this, I was just so taken back by what you did yesterday. I wanted to do something nice for you. I know you've been wanting an Xbox. And I remember hearing you fuss because your wife wouldn't let you have an Xbox because she thinks it's a stupid gift for a grown man to have. And grown men should be playing video games. And you've been wanting to play a video game. So here's an Xbox. You can keep it at work and play it at work if you want to. You know, I just wanted to give you an Xbox. And the guy said, oh, at least let me give you something for it. These things aren't cheap. And he goes, I oh, don't worry about it. I, I got it covered. And the boss just said, no, tell me the truth. What's going on here? And his employee kind of teared up for a second. He goes, okay, I'll tell you what's going on. For the last six months, 
My life has been falling apart. I've had trouble at home. I've had trouble in marriage. And I'm not where I want to be in life. And no offense, but this job is not the job that I wanted to be working. I don't have a degree for to be working at this place. I don't have the, the, the degree that I have to be working here. And I went to a pawn shop. I bought a gun. And I told my wife that I was going to go on a trip to see family. And I lied to her. I was going on the trip to kill myself. You came in and you did what you did. You made me feel like maybe my life just isn't such a waste. Maybe I am making some kind of difference in my work. It, it amounts to something. And it wasn't a lot, but it was enough to make me take the gun, go back to the pawn shop, and I traded it in for that stupid Xbox that I got on your desk right now. never know how a simple act of kindness is going to impact somebody. By the way, true story, the boss invites the employee to go to church with him. The employee shows up that next Sunday. God rocks his world and he gives his heart to Jesus because somebody showed kindness. Kindness doesn't cost a thing. But kindness requires us to hit pause on what's going on in our lives and look to the needs of someone else. And it's so irresistible and attractive when it's done. And it opens up a door to make Jesus look amazing every time. It's the fruit of the Spirit being born in our lives for the purpose of putting hands and feet on the gospel by just showing kindness to somebody I'll tell you one more before we get done today the guy named Rob who lived across the street from a kid that he went to church with at least went to past tense church with this kid kid got burned in church young adult I guess late teens, early 20s. Rob would invite this guy to go to church. He'd shoot him down every time. So Rob said, okay, if I can't get him that way, I'm just going to hang out with him and be kind, show some love. So Rob started playing basketball with this guy. And so that became their thing. A couple of nights a week, Rob would walk over, knock on the door. The guy would come out. They'd just shoot some hoops and hang out. They go do some stuff. Rob was just showing kindness. And every once in a while, Rob would say, Hey, why don't you come to church with me? And the guy was like, Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Been there, done that, got the t shirt. I believe in God, but I've seen a lot of junk in church. And I don't want to go near it. And Rob said, Okay. It's not about church. I'm going to be kind to that guy. See if God can do something life well this went on for about a year just hanging out playing basketball then Rob moved away to take another job 
God started working on the heart of that guy. He started getting a little discontent with the way life was going. He said, you know what? I know people aren't perfect. You remember something Rob said? Rob said, don't make the mistake of confusion. The mistakes people for the heart of God towards you. Thought about that and said, you know what? I've wasted enough of my life. I need to get back into a church. And I need to get some stuff right. So this guy went to church and gave his heart back to the Lord. stories like that are waiting to happen in here. Our church is known as a church that shows kindness because we love people and we don't want anything in return. We just want to be kind. Not to get something back, not to pay it forward, but just to show it because it's been shown to us by a loving God that sent His Son to die on a cross for us. Take your place to take my place. Pay the price for our sins. To, to, to consider what was done for us and look up from our lives and not be so God bless and selfish with what we want and what we're trying to accomplish, but to take the time to show kindness to somebody else, to make the gospel attractive, to see God impact somebody's life hands and feet the hands and feet of the gospel go through kindness bow your heads and close your eyes this morning heads bowed eyes closed no one looking around you guys at home watching online or whenever you may be watching or listening to this let's take a second and let's do some inventory in our lives could it be said of you that you're a kind person hey if it it's not something that would be said about you. The good news is today is a great day for change. Today is a great day to draw closer to God and allow the Holy Spirit to produce that fruit of kindness in our lives. Not to try to drum up some, some effort just to be nice to a person this week because we're supposed to be nice, but no, but to establish a pattern of kindness not something that we do it's the essence of who we are we walk in kindness you have to be 
kind in order to produce kindness. So as we be, then we do. As we are allowing the Holy Spirit to produce that fruit in us and changing us from the inside out and then become something that flows naturally out of us. The sweet aroma of that coffee that when life happens, we don't respond the wrong way. We allow the Holy Spirit to impact the world through us. Father, show us how we can be kind to others. Show us how we can change our focus today off of ourselves to put them onto other people, Lord, to be used by you to impact lives in ways we may not even know until we stand before you. We never know who's watching. We never know who's paying attention. But I do know that you do notice. And you gave us this tool to impact this world for you. It doesn't cost a thing, and it's one of the most powerful tools that we have to impact this world. And I think raising the dead is important, and I think healing blind eyes is important, and I think all the signs and wonders you give to confirm your word are powerful. All the miraculous things that you allow us to do are amazing, Father. I think one of the most powerful things that we can do is just to simply allow your love to manifest through our lives by showing kindness. It sets us apart. It lifts you up. And it makes you irresistible. Father, let us be that church. Let us be those people. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. I don't want to get out of here today without giving us all an opportunity to make sure that our relationship with Jesus is where it needs to be and really everything we're talking about today hinges on that right there true kindness only comes from a heart that's been transformed by Jesus do you have a real relationship with Jesus and I'm not asking if you come to church I'm not asking if you believe in God I'm not asking if you prayed some prayer a year ago, 10 years ago, or even last week. I'm asking today, right now, if your life was over and you stood in front of God, would your name be in that also famous book of life? Or would it be missing? See, there's no escaping the reality of that. And the truth is we all know the answer to that question right now. Your answers maybe or are I hope so I got news for you the real answer is no so when you know you know you either have a real relationship with Jesus or you don't I'm not talking about going through the motions of religion I'm talking about a real authentic relationship with Jesus the great news is you don't have to walk out of here today with that being left undone I want to pray with you and get that right today and I'm not going to embarrass you or single you out or call you out in any way I just I'm going to ask you to lift your eyes up and look at me in just a second and I'm going to take note of it it'll be between you and me and, and God and we're going to pray and we're going to get this stuff right today I care about you too much to let you walk out of here without asking you that question and Jesus gave his life so that you don't have to walk out of here without answering that question correctly so let's take this moment and get Let's get it right. Eternity's too long. Eternity's too long to roll the dice on. Don't take a chance on one day in the future. Let's do it now. And I'm not talking about getting like things right and perfect.
perfect in your life. Too many times people think they gotta get jump right in their life before they get right with God, and that's just the exact opposite of how it happens. If you could get it right on your own, Jesus would not have had to die for you. He died for you to set you free from that sin so that you could grow into that person He's called you to be. As He changes you from the inside out, God doesn't take bad people and turn them into good people. He takes spiritually dead people and brings them back to life. And that's what I desire for you today. No games, no gimmicks. Look, don't put on a church face. Let those defenses down. This is, let this be one of the most real moments of your life. When I count to three, if that's you, lift your eyes up and look at me. And you guys listening to this or watching at home now or later, let this be real. Hey, don't let today slip past. Let's make the most of this moment. Because we don't know if we're going to get a moment like this again. So on the count of three, if that's you, lift your eyes up and look at me. Here we go. One, two, three. Lift them up and look at me. I see yours. I see yours. Once you lift them up, you can put them back down. Pastor Josh, I know I'm not ready to stand before the Lord, but I want to be. I see yours. Once you lift them up, you can put them back down. I love what I'm feeling in this place right now. I just feel the presence of God here. One more time before we stand and close in prayer. All right, let's all stand together as we get ready to close today. Had three people that said they wanted to get some things right with God today, make sure that Jesus has that place in their heart. Hey, that's powerful. I love that. We're going to pray a prayer together. We're all going to repeat this after me as I do it. The Bible says that you believe in your heart, but you confess with your mouth. And that's what we're going to do. I believe you've already believed in your heart. We're just going to confess this with our mouths so that we can seal the deal on what's happened in your heart today. So everyone in this place, repeat this after me. If you lifted your eyes, repeat this and mean it from your heart. Okay? Heavenly Father, here I am. You know the truth about me. And it doesn't affect how you love me. Thank you sending your son to die for me. Jesus, I repent. That means I turn away from the sin in my life. I choose you, not that life. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for changing me. And I'll live the rest of my life one step at a time, becoming everything you created me to be. Let's praise God for what just happened in the lives of these people. Kindness. Look at the person next to you and say this. Okay? Say this. Yo, behind better be kind. Yo, behind better be kind. Hey, lightening the mood a little bit. Here's the deal. It costs absolutely nothing to be kind. All right? Why don't we just show some love and kindness? Why don't we treat each other like we should be treated? Why don't we treat our family with some kindness? And not just those outside of our family. Show kindness at work. 
for nothing in return because you never know how it's going to impact somebody's life. Father, thank you for what you're doing in our church, for what you've done here today. God, thank you for this reminder just to simply be kind, to show that love in a practical way. There are opportunities all around us, Lord. Let us open our eyes, take our eyes off ourselves, off our problems, off our agenda, put them on you, see things through your eyes, see the opportunities all around us to be the hands and the feet of the gospel reach people through our kindness. God, thank you for this opportunity. Lord, I pray for women of valor to be awesome tomorrow night. Lord, I pray for people to bring candy by the boatloads, for people to sign up to serve and show kindness to our community. Lord, that you bring us back from a week of rocking this world for you. Lord, bring us back together next week to continue to grow and become who you called us to be. In your name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you for coming out. Thank y'all for watching today. We love you. We'll see you next week.